Welcome to Let's Get Social with me, Philip Twyver, to the Curly Marketer, social media strategist and management. And me, Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. So if you're confused about social media or not sure what channels to use, well, we've got you covered on Let's Get Social. Hello, Emer. How are you doing? I'm doing good. What about you? Yeah, yeah. Getting fitter, would you believe? Definitely. You know, the, the bike that I've been taking out of quarter by six every morning is definitely, um, is I'm seeing benefits. You know, I'm doing Are it quicker. You? I'm going further. Yeah, it's it's a, a whole new lease of life, you know, as I slowly be surely approach my 49th year on this planet. Ah, uh, no, you don't look a year over 29, never mind 49. Oh, I was going, right you're <laughs> going to keep on the right side of you. Um, I have to say, um, yeah, I'm um, I'm a bit disappointed. I, I'm just not motivated to do anything. I'm, I'm trying to motivate myself because I'm looking at like holidays for next year because I'm not going anywhere mm-hmm. this year. And um, and some of the photos of some of the destinations are unreal. Lots of beaches and cocktails and... You look like you're so enthusiastic. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, as we record this, it's lashing rain. Mm. And uh, yes, I was only thinking this time last year, I was sitting by the swimming pool, you know, and having a mojito. But hey, there's always next year, isn't there? Always next year. Yeah, yeah. It'll be here before you know it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And do you know what's what's nearly here before you knew it? The social media joke of the episode, Emma. Your favourite part. I, I think I'm just going to go to Dublin Airport now. You know, just, just, no. Okay, okay. So You like this one, you like this one. Okay, go for it. Okay. So how did the bad marketer get a job making butter? Okay, I'm going to play along. I don't know. How did he? He had a high churn rate. <laughs> That's really bad, uh, they get, you, they, get, they get worse. I was going to say, did you did you compose this one yourself? No, no, actually, I I did the research, you know. So all uh, oh, right, okay, uh, okay. Well, so, all I can say is, if you find today's social media joke anyway engaging, and you would love more of them, please don't. Uh, you're in luck. You can catch Philip's previous social media jokes and indeed our other shows by hopping on the podcast of the Let's Get Social show on Podbeam, iTunes, Spotify, and the Dublin South FM website. Yeah, that was an interesting angle. Right. No. So it hasn't left you motivated in any shape or form, that particular joke. No. More deflated. Yeah, yeah, but I hope our special guest isn't as deflated. Um, is he still here? No, I think. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I think he. I think. Uh, I think he thinks the jokes will get me uh, great exposure. So uh, I think we're all good, you know. So, uh, but yes, you're right. Remember, we're joined by a special guest. We are joined by someone who is regarded as Ireland's leading headshot photographer, and trained by the world's leading headshot photographer Peter Hurley. And he's not only an award-winning portrait photographer and speaker, specialising in headshots and self-awareness education. He's also the national director of individual development and training for the Junior Chamber International. And with an emphasis on the substance of his clients rather than the superficial, his focus is drawing out the personalities and inner strengths of each person he photographs. Ah, but he's not solely a photographer. Um, He's a speaker and a self-awareness educator, and he regularly speaks on stage. And in 2017, he was named as a supplier and part of Google's Supplier Diversity Programme. 
And in 2020, he's partnered with Dial Global for the Dial Faces campaign, which sounds really interesting. And from there, working with huge brands like LinkedIn and Google and Bank of Ireland and so many more and shooting individuals, actors, models. Where does he get the time to go out in his canoe? That's what I'm going to ask him. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> So um, he's teaching people to unconditionally love their faces and embrace them. Well, uh, without further ado, all we can say is welcome, John Murray, to Let's Get Social from John Murray Headshots. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. John, this is great to have you on the show today. Um, you know, when it comes to social media, visuals, you know, photography, profile shots, you know, trying to be authentic from a brand is very important. Um, I suppose to lead off a couple of questions to ask you, I suppose, first of all, why the name Headshots? Because uh, it's an interesting name, you know, you just see a lot of people are in, say, photography, etc. just kind of go, I'm a photographer, where you've got a very clever name. And I suppose, you know, from the visual aspect, you know, is there any mistakes that you think that businesses make when it comes to particularly, say, face shots, you know, and how they present themselves in social and on their website? Um, well, headshots itself, it's an American term. It's a term that came from the States because actors right. used to submit headshots to show what they look like um, to casting directors and things like that. And it was literally an 8 by 10 almost square image of just their face. And like I shot everything. I shot weddings, parties, you know, kids and pets and all that sort of stuff for years. And I just, when I trained with Peter Hurley, you know, I'd taken this image of this this guy, uh, Brian, in 2013, uh, the old man with the fedora hat, which seems to be absolutely everywhere. And mm. it, it kind of changed the way I did things and the way I focused on what I did. And I was really interested in headshots. And I got to meet Peter and train with him. And when I did, I realized that I wanted to stand five feet in front of people for a living and take photographs of them. Well, six feet because of social distance, but you know, get that in there, make sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I was just more interested in, in what was going on with people than having families in the studio and the father elbowing the child in the face and saying, look, happy, this is costing me a fortune. So the headshots, I specifically focus on one area mm. and any photographer out there tell you, oh, you can't make money just doing one thing. You know, you can, you, you have to do everything. You have to diversify. You just have to be different. Yeah. I mix behavioral sciences, what I do, because it interests me. Hmm. Um, but I suppose as regards to your question, with like, is there anything that people are doing or companies are doing that hmm. they're making mistakes with? Yes, you, huge mistakes. Like a lot of the images you see on companies' websites, I've had companies come to me or when I do the thing on LinkedIn every month, the free profiling, where it's like you send yeah. me your images or comment on the post and I'll look at your headshot you're using on LinkedIn and I'll, hmm. I'll comment on it and I'll give you advice on it. Um, a lot of the images that people are using on the likes of LinkedIn, there's a lot of selfies, which doesn't exactly say I've invested in myself and I plan on sticking around. A lot of the images as well that people are using are them on stage that one time that they did a talk and you don't realize that the image on your LinkedIn profile is maybe a centimeter in height. You know, we want to see the shape of the shoulders, the position of the head, because that's what we engage with. We don't want to see a stick figure on a screen. You know, like when you were on a stage that one time, it doesn't really tell me anything about you other than the fact that you've been on a stage once. Yeah. Um, that's one big problem that people are using. Or when you go onto a company's website and you look at the About Us page, mm. and there might be 10 or 20 images on the page, and they're all different. Mm. Some of them are in color, some of them are in black and white, some of them, the tone is way off and they're yeah. all in yellow. 
Some of them are selfies. Some of them are professionally shot. And that just shows inconsistency in the business. And that's it's mm. like subconsciously, that's what we read is that there is inconsistency in, in the standards across the board here. Yeah. Um, that's a big thing with companies. So a lot of companies now are making a bit more of an effort. And, yeah. you know, headshots is something that people are aware of now where they weren't before. It was yes. like people didn't have profile images on their websites because they were still pe- dealing with each other face to face. Yeah. yeah. With social media and with technology and with LinkedIn, now we're dealing with people more and we're having more introductions to people through social platforms. So, mm. you know, I said at the networking summit, you know, your headshot is only so other squishy things can see you. Like we're all squishy things. Yes. And for 90 million years, we've had eyeballs and dealt with each other face to face. And we've only in the last 50 years had the internet. Mm. And only recently we've used the internet more for communication. So we're not dealing with each other face to face anymore. So we don't see what the other person looks like or we can't experience that person. And that's what your headshot and your profile picture is for. Is to give that person, give the person that you're communicating with an indication of who you are, you know, what you're all about, what you look like, you know, and get some sort of a sense of flavor off you um, Mm. just to make it a little bit more human. Yeah, for ages, I actually was hiding behind a Bitmoji and a, a friend of mine said to me, you can't do that because if you're going to a networking event, they're going to think that's her going to appear, not you. And I went, well, she's smilier and perkier than I am. But uh, I give in and I went and got my headshot and John, you give me a nice compliment on it. So that, that was good. So I felt glad I got it done anyway. But you were saying you mix science and photography. What what way does that work? You know, is there some sort of a, a certain combination? What is it? Yeah, like I mix elements of psychology, anatomy, physiology, endocrinology, which is the study of hormones, um, bits and pieces of absolutely everything that's to do with the human condition and the human psyche. I mix mindfulness training in and bits and pieces, um, neurolinguistic programming, cognitive behavioral therapy. And so the thing is that you don't know what you look like. Mm. Now, if you think you look like the person in the mirror, but you don't. You know, because that's back to yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you see photographs of yourself, and the person in the photograph is uncomfortable. But you pick out one thing on your face you don't like in that photograph, and you believe you look like that. Mm. So we all have one thing that we don't like on our faces that exists in photographs. It doesn't exist in the mirror, or it doesn't exist in candid photographs where we didn't know the person was taking the photograph. So we blame that thing on making us feel uncomfortable. And people, so you don't know what you look like. So what I do is I teach people to see themselves the way they actually are. You know, you've got 16,384 different musculature variations in your face. So there's no earthly way you know what you look like from moment to moment. So my job is to show people many different flavors of what they look like and, and what other people experience from them. And the only way you can really do that is by mixing psychology and mixing anatomy and physiology and explaining why things happen. So why we back away when we stand in front of the camera, why we feel uncomfortable looking at ourselves in images, um, you know, how empathy works when we look at images. Mm. So I explain, I bring all of that together because, you know, every piece of information starts and ends with the human brain, you know, and that's where we live. You live inside your head and you live inside your body. You know, the shell on the outside doesn't really matter. So yeah. if you can show somebody what actually matters, we tell kids all the time, it's what's on the inside that counts. And we forget it, that that applies to us too as adults. That's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's so true. Because I, mean, I, yeah. I have an 11 year old yeah. and I always say, you know, you know, treat other people how you want to be treated. And, uh, and I think she, she does a pretty good job, but you know they're they're not interested in what you look like, you know. So yeah, yeah so if you look, like, if you're happy, if you feel happy, you look happy. 
You know, if you feel sad, you look sad. And if you feel uncomfortable, you look uncomfortable. And when people stand in front of the camera, they generally are uncomfortable. So, you know, their body is responding to them being uncomfortable. And then they see the photograph and they see a photograph of them looking uncomfortable. And then their mirror receptors, cells in their brain are saying, that person is uncomfortable, so you need to feel uncomfortable with them. You know, the same way if somebody was happy, you'd feel happy with them. If you're sure, sad, yeah. bring yourself down to their level. So mm-hmm. empathy makes you feel the same as the person in the image, even though the person in the image is you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you feel uncomfortable looking at it because that person was uncomfortable. And that's pretty much the way it works. But yeah, there's, there's huge amounts of, of information in it, and there's huge amounts of information in the human face. And there's human, huge amounts of information that we read off ourselves and it's sometimes it's uh well not just sometimes a lot of the time it's it's a very emotional thing for somebody to see themselves for the first time Mm. in a way that is true and authentic and they haven't seen that before Mm. um like you know validating the fact that they're not as ugly as they thought they were and it's uh that's why i mix the sciences with it and that's why i shoot headshots and stand five feet Mm. and six feet so <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a very um it's a very interesting approach, John. Because I suppose like social media in certain elements, particularly on channels like Instagram, is such a visual platform, mm. and yeah. you know, especially if you're able to guide people, like something that really bugs me because I'd work for a couple of different clients, and part of that work I would sometimes do is uh, would be maybe I might be managing their LinkedIn profile. And I'm trying to either do some research on a company or connect with someone. Uh, and I went to so many websites where there's no, say, uh, here's the team, the people behind the company. There's no photos whatsoever. Or if there is photos, you're sort of kind of, that awkwardness really does come through. And you're almost making a prejudgment because the people in the photo could be lovely people and could be yeah. perfect. So what you're saying is is spot on that almost like, you know, you could be projecting almost instantly for someone and just to visually see that God, that person has come across quite cold or I don't think I feel a, a visual rapport. Would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, like we need to understand that first and foremost is that we're humans. You know, mm. that's the thing is that people don't put that element of themselves into their websites, you know. Mm even as a photographer like when I started taking photographs and I wanted to be a professional photographer I wanted to make money doing it and I was googling ways of doing it and they were saying like you could do stock photography and take photographs of sunflowers and you could sell them on the internet but everybody kept telling me just be different Mm. just be different and I didn't know how to be different until I realized very late on in my career that it's be yourself the only thing that you need to do is to be you authentically Mm. you and it doesn't really matter whether you're an accountant. You know, if you're an accountant that is interested in, I don't know, hiking or cycling or something, but you can ha- you can be interested in something, you know, and to have that as part of the company's personality, to have that as part of your personality and welcome people into that because people buy from people. They want to know people and they want to experience other people. Yeah. So if yeah. they think they're walking into, you know, an office to hang around with an accountant for half an hour or for an hour to go through their finances and it's going to be dry and boring and horrible, mm. or then they have the accountant who's interested in the same things they are and posts about it on LinkedIn and talks about it and talks about their life experience and the general normal things that we do day to day, you have a better rapport with that person. Instantly, yeah. you have a better rapport with that person. And then yeah. look, that can carry through to images as well. So look, your, your headshot should show you not looking like a bank manager. It should yeah. make, like there should be some sort of personality in it, you know. Um, and that comes from shooting with somebody who, or meeting somebody that's going to take the photographs. 
who you have some sort of connection with. I'm not saying people have to come to me. I regularly refer people to other photographers mm-hmm. because maybe I'm too expensive. Maybe they just don't like my images. Maybe they want something else. They want a, a different, more cinematic look or something. So I give those referrals and I say, look, these people have really good portfolios. But most important, they'll talk to you on a human level. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing worse than walking into a room and having a photographer stand there, take 200 photographs of you in 30 seconds, and then just say, right, pick one. Because mm-hmm. that doesn't do anybody no. any favor. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the, those things. It is, it's most, most, most important to have some sort of a human element and human connection to, even to a profile, to a yeah. LinkedIn profile, to a Facebook profile. And Instagram, Instagram is just highlights. Yeah. You know, Marison is the mother of all evil. So we blame ourselves or we, we shoot ourselves down. I only did a video recently on LinkedIn and um, and said, look, you know, comparison is the mother of all evil because we're comparing ourselves against everybody else. We're saying we're not good enough looking. We're, we don't have a cool enough holiday. You know, saying earlier that last year, everybody was like, I only posted a video again. I reshared from my Facebook memories. Like this time last year, I was sitting in the River Liffey in my kayak looking at kids jumping off the Jeannie Johnson. You know, that looks like a great lifestyle. It doesn't show that, you know, there's weeks that I'm working 100 hours a week. You know, it, it doesn't oh, show yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But, yeah. So we don't see any of that, but we blame ourselves then for not having all of the cool stuff, you know, not having mm-hmm. a cool car, not having cool clothes, not having, you know, not being as pretty as the next person or the person we're looking at on Instagram, mm-hmm. not having, you know, 50 or 60,000 followers. You know, those things are, are, you know, we have to understand the human element as well, you know, how it mm. makes us feel and how it makes them feel and the pressures on either side. Yeah, you kind of, you mentioned there when you were talking, I suppose, about the formation of headshots and we were talking about mistakes. And you, you mentioned that interesting term, you know, um, that we're all squishy things, etc. Uh, kind of just flesh out that that concept. <laughs> squishy things? Oh, Jesus, this is going to turn into shame again. I mentioned this. I went on a rant when I was talking at the networking summit last year and it just came out of nowhere. So <laughs> humans are squishy things. Look, we can, yeah. you know, yeah. we're all squishy. Um, animals are squishy things. Humans are squishy things. And we've been squishy things for millions and millions and millions of years. Mm. You know, we're all just human. Like there's seven and a half billion of us on this planet and we're all different. But the whole thing with the squishy things thing was that you know, we've been squishy things for 90 million years with eyeballs, you know, mm. and then, you know, 200 years ago, they developed the camera. The camera was invented. And 180 years ago, the glass-based mirror was invented. So for the first time, squishy things could see themselves and they could record other squishy things mm. so that they could look back on it and understand what that squishy thing was doing or how they felt at that time. And then the internet came about 50 years ago so that squishy things on one part of the world could communicate with squishy things on the far side of the world and not have to deal with them face to face and that's where like the the whole squishy things thing came about because I was talking about your headshots because people think headshots are brand and they like to ask John to come in and talk about brand because they assume headshots are part of your brand they're not they're just a way for squishy things to communicate with other squishy things and to see what they look like (laughs) I was sort of thinking, is he talking about when you were like a little kid, you were more squishier and as you get a bit older, you're less squishy. That's what I was wondering, you know. Um, It's just, it's technology versus nature. And that's all it is. It's Mm. trying to understand where the disparity is and and, and to try and bring that that closer together, to bring it back and to put a little bit of human back into it. Like even on LinkedIn, I don't send those awful, awful, awful messages you get as soon as somebody confirms 
connection request or when mm. you connection you, you confirm a connection request and you get an eight page essay like they must type like superman you know i want to hire you as a different type of sending you headshots um but oh. you know we don't do that and i don't send those messages so i get connection requests of people and i'm confirming them i'll send them a voice note to say thanks for connecting Mm. That's what I send is as I send voice notes because it puts a little bit of human back into technology. Yeah. And the amount of messages I get back off people saying, I didn't know you could do that. That's so cool. That's like the coolest thing on, on LinkedIn. I didn't know you could do that. And it adds a human element back and a little bit of a surprise as well when they do get it. Like, yeah, um, actually, Philip, Philip does the, the videos when he, somebody connects with him, um, which I think is even braver. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do that yet myself. But the voice yeah, thing, one, I would, you know. Yeah, one day, Emer, one day. <laughs> it's just adding human back into it, that's all. You're just taking yeah. away from the technology and you're adding a human element back into it. So uh, I, I, uh, I was going to say to John, I love the way you're so passionate about, you know, because um, I love your videos on LinkedIn and you put them out on Twitter and that. And um, because you love it so much, um, who is your favorite of all the people you've photographed and you've made them stand out? And I suppose you would make them memorable, like you were talking about a guy earlier, um, that people and businesses could learn from. Is there somebody that you just went, that was the best ever? You know, I was so delighted. Uh, that was my favorite. I don't know. Just everybody likes to ask, you know, how many, uh, there's always going to be one person that you photographed that was better than everybody else. Like that photograph of the old guy with the hat, that kind of changed the way I do things. I'd like to say I got better since 2013. <laughs> but, uh, that was, that was one moment that was really cool. Um, I shot really cool people. I shot Bond villains like Chris Seraf. He's in 300 Rise of an Empire. He had an amazing wow. face. Wow. Really cool. Um, I've shot Peter Hurley, the top headshot photographer <laughs> in the world. Massive pressure there. Um, I don't know. I've shot a lot of really interesting and cool people. Like I've shot kids with cancer. Um, like kids who are going back to school with no hair and like they bring them into the studio and we shoot them. Um, and just have a bit of fun with them and to teach them that like, this is a superpower rather than it being anything else. So you're sending them back to school armed, you mm. know, with, with confidence. Um, I shoot craniofacial prosthesis patients and when they've been given prosthetics. And that's really interesting and cool as well. I shot like global directors of LinkedIn, Facebook and Google and mm. stuff. I shot one guy, he was the global head of operations and technology for LinkedIn, Andy Yasutaki. Um, and when I shot him, that was really cool. He's now the head of products for Airbnb, but he was really funny. Like it was just, he was just a cool guy and everybody was warning me. He gets like 650,000 comments on his posts on LinkedIn. Wow. He's a wow. And, you know, when that was happening, I was just thinking to myself, this is just another dude. Don't, you know, you just have fun with him the same way. I have fun with everybody else. I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of people that have shot. I've shot head of diversity for the football association in England and I've shot like heads of Bank of England and you know, all so, that sort of stuff. So in other words, you don't have a favorite that stands out for you, just go, there's been a collection of favorites. Yeah, and for all different reasons. Mm. Like for completely different reasons. Some people just have cool faces, some people for the fact that they get such a shock when they see themselves. Um, I've had people come into the studio and tell me that they can't look themselves in the mirror and then walk out the door and tell me that they're going to Farrier and Draper up the road and the very first thing they were doing when they went in was going into the toilets to look at themselves in the mirror. I've had 
I don't know. There's so many favorites for so many different reasons. There's not wow. just one image that stands out and says, you know, that is my favorite headshot that I've ever taken. There's some They're all unique, I suppose, really, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Seven and a half billion people on the planet and we all yeah. look different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very long winded no. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to ask these things, you know. Um, like, I suppose, John, when it comes to, say, social media and business and, you know, trying for business and individuals to project their, as you call it, which is, I think, is very uh, sort of like a, not to use marketing jargon, but kind of like a USP from what I've read about you is that sort of the personality, like for say business that are listening today, say like there's small, medium enterprises, entrepreneurs who are listening, who are thinking about changing their photography or their photos of themselves. Is there anything that you would say to them to say, listen, before you start taking selfies or talking to a photographer, whether it be yourself or someone else, is there something that they should almost like a sort of a, a messaging that is in, what do you really want to convey? You know, what is your personality? Kind of, is there a way that you could kind of, did you kind of say to people, listen, you know, this is how you can, how you need to try to be yourself on camera, you know, and to reflect that because if you want to reflect professionalism or human authentic, you know, um, friendliness, you need to sort of get into that sort of space before you sit in front of a camera. Am I making myself clear? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's I have these conversations with people every single day. You know, that people walk into the studio and they'll give me a big long list of what they want. But it's usually they want to look confident, competent and approachable. Mm. And that's usually what it comes down to. So you, you want to look like you know what you're about. So the, the thing that they should be doing is, is to have a clear message of what they want to say. That's the big thing. You can look confident and confident and approachable all through having bigger body language, just bigger posture um, mm -hmm. and just a genuine reactive facial expression. And that should be what they're looking for. It yeah. should always be a genuine reactive facial expression that's based on trust. It should never be put on because mm -hmm. if it's put on, it's fake. And yeah. we all know it's fake. Oh, yeah. We feel mm -hmm. when we look at it. Yeah. Um, and we don't trust it. So yeah, don't put it on. And that's, my, that's really what they should be looking for. I was going to say, my fear is the double chin. <laughs> Yeah. It's getting, you know, the angle so you don't, you know... Um... The only thing that you need to do to alleviate... Like, most photographers, and especially, like, in the 90s and the 80s and stuff like that, the photographers used to shoot above the person or to get you to drop your shoulder towards the camera and then you can put your head out because that will give you the jawline. But you don't need to do that. I actually take photographs below the eye level, which goes mm -hmm. completely against what most photographers do. Right. And they're like, well, you can't do that because then you can't get a jawline. Yes, you can get a jawline. You just drive your head forward. Um, and that's the only thing that you need to do. I'm starting to practice already. <laughs> yeah, the reason people get double chins in the first place is that your limbic system, the emotional center of your brain is telling your body, it's it's to back away. This is uncomfortable. Don't do this. And we back away and then we turtle. So you're pulling your head into your neck. Ah. So by going the opposite direction, first of all, you're saying, I'm paying attention to you and I want you to pay attention to me. Mm -hmm. um, so the person looking at the image is going to do it because they need to feel like they're connecting with you because you're connecting with them. Um, their mirror receptors are going crazy telling them to stick their head forward because you are. And on top of that, then you're making sure that you've got a jawline. But would that not look kind of false if your head's like forward, like you're nearly like a turkey, you know, your head's going forward. Would that not come across? No. Camera sees two-dimensionally, we see three-dimensionally. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Right. Versus nature. So what, all of my images, my headshot, my head is forward. You know, all of my headshot, every single person that I photograph, I drive their head forward. 
getting to stick on that's, a decent bit more as well. It doesn't look weird when it's on um, on camera. It feels weird, but it doesn't look weird. And then when I get them side on, they're in a really weird position because their head is all jarred out to the side, like, you know, when girls give you attitude head. Um, <laughs> side to side. But the same kind of thing. And I, like, yeah. I get to lean all the way back. There's loads of different things to counteract the failures of the technology. Like I have to add 800 watts of light to my images to make a person look close enough to what the human eye sees. Wow. You know, there's huge failures in the technology. I, I think I'll be coming to see you soon. Um, I was going to say to you, um, with the, you're involved, not just as a with in the photography world, but you're also working with uh, Dial Global on the Dial Faces campaign. Is that some sort of, a photography campaign or is it video or uh, no it's it's photography and it's talks okay. um there's this amazing lady in the uk Leila mckenzie is a massive headhunter she hires ceo level for coca-cola and jaguar and all these people and mm. she is interested in diversity and inclusion so she put a, a company together uh with a lady named minaxi and it's style global it's Diverse, inclusive, aspirational leaders. Um, and I'm an ambassador for them. And I've gone over to the UK a couple of times and I've done talks. I was supposed okay. to be photographing 2,020 people for them this year, um, oh. celebrating the, the top people in diversity and inclusion around the world. And we're going to have a, an art show with the images in the Ritz in December because she's having the, the Doyle things, the, the Doyle party is in the December every year in the Ritz. Um, now with COVID, that obviously has put a massive mm. kind of halt on that for the moment. But yeah, the the idea is still to photograph hundreds of people who are game changers and, and thought leaders in diversity and inclusion space um, before the end of the year, and then to just going to be a book that'll be it'll raise money for charity. It's all part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals as well um, around diversity and inclusion. And then in the Ritz, then there will be the the art show with the images. Um, will be all on the on the, wall, on the walls in December, hopefully. So, but it's it's great, you know. Mm-hmm. It I mean, did they do it before? How many years are they doing it? Is this like something that's just this happened in the, the last? Oh, the first year. Okay. First year they're doing it. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's it's such an incredible. Look, she does lots of seminars and summits online um, constantly. Like every single week, there's just something else up, and mm. you're talking to some of, the, like some of the biggest names in the in the diversity and inclusion space. You know, with L'Oreal and you know Jaguar Land Rover, Coca Cola, Odeon Group, um, and they're all companies who train all of their staff in diversity and inclusion, and everybody gets trained. And even Odeon Group, and they they can't remember the lady's name offhand. She's the, the chief people officer for the Odeon Group, and she said they hire 15,000 people a year. Wow. Um, it's such a big turnover with young staff because, mm. you know, yeah. on, um, some of them are rehires, but she said they all have to go through diversity and inclusion training, which costs a fortune, but it's worth it because mm. people walking in, if their kids are having a meltdown, if you've got an, an autistic child having a, a bit of a, a freak out moment, the staff know how to deal with that. Mm. they've been trained and not only is that cool for when they're working in the Odeon group no matter where they go they're going to carry that skills with them mm. and that's incredible yeah, yeah. You know, that's such a gift to give to an 18 or 19 year old college student you know and 
I just think, you know, the likes of that is out there and we don't know what's out there. We don't celebrate it because we don't know what's out there. But that's what Layla's trying to do. And she's trying to, to kind of celebrate people and companies who do this and have makes such an effort in the diversity inclusion space. So um, that's why we're photographing hundreds of people and kind of post them all over the walls of the Ritz. Oh, that would be amazing. Will you do, yeah. a, will you do a video um, when you get to the Ritz? <laughs> Uh, probably I might be cool. all over my Instagram <laughs> look where I am I think that's great <laughs> yeah. look at me <laughs> um, John you're also the national director of individual development and training for Junior Chamber International would you like yes. to just explain what that is because it sounds like a very exciting piece that you're involved in and organisation yeah JCI I joined JCI a few years ago and I was very lucky to be asked and I was honoured to be asked to be on the uh, the council for JCI's Dublin branch uh, mm-hmm. last year, and for training and and on the council as the director of training and development, and my idea was to look. JCI is there's two hundred and fifty thousand JCI members in the world. Kofi Annan was a member. JFK was a member. Wow. You know, it's a leadership development organisation. So, as a leadership development organisation, training is very important, and I wanted to do something a little bit different with training because look we can all go to seminars and stuff after work Mm -hmm. and you've been sitting looking at people reading graphs and reading facts off a screen all day long and then you go to these things and the same thing happens and it's just boring and oppressive but jci do things a lot differently um so my idea was to to really change things up so i'd like comedians coming in and talking about you know overcoming the fear of public speaking. I had Joe Dalton in as well. Joe came in and did one on gold set and we had Joseph McGuire in profiling people. Um, the facial profiler and you talk about oh, body yeah. language, negotiation skills, um, loads of really cool speakers over that year. And then the national president asked me to be on the national council this year um, and to really try and kind of boost training nationally. Mm. Um, so I was very, very I was again honoured to be appointed as the mm. director. Congratulations, that's great news. Yeah, Thanks very much. Um, and a great year as well for JCI in Ireland because we had the European Convention here. Um, it was supposed to bring two two and a half thousand people to uh, UCD and the Convention Centre, but you know, with COVID, everything had to change. So um, it ended up being online, and there was people signed in from all over the world. There was like tens and tens of thousands of people all signed in watching the opening ceremony. I was co-host on that, co-MC. And then on the Sunday then, I gave uh, a talk, one of my substance over superficial talks, and that was to hundreds of people from all over the world. So that was pretty cool as well. I have to say, you just don't seem to have enough hours in the day, John. You just seem to be like, you know... Um, involved with so many things. Um, do you ever get to bed? <laughs> I actually only work three days a week. Um, oh. Something I learned very, very early on when I had decided to go full-time shooting headshots and stuff. I made the mistake initially of forcing myself into the studio every day and forcing myself to be all over social media every day. And now my diary is handled for me. Um because I'm terrible at that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm lucky in that I did wake up to the fact that, hold on, I could be on my days off and I could be doing stuff like I'm starting to learn Chinese, not only just Mandarin Chinese, but Cantonese as well, because I think I have a head injury and it makes me do these things. Nice. Um, but there's like 
all sorts of different things. Like I'm doing a neurolinguistic programming course at the moment, like a life coaching course, just for the knowledge. And I get to do that in my days off when I'm chilling out, you know, instead of me watching mindless TV and series after series on Netflix on my days off, I like to entertain myself by educating myself. Hmm. I go kayaking as well. So I make sure that I have plenty of time for like, that's my head time. You know, it's time Hmm. for getting out of my own head and not having to worry about the bits and pieces that go on in the business. Hmm. Um, so I spend half my time. And, you, and you, I was going to say, you probably get inspiration when you're out as well, you know, because if you're stuck in the one room, you're not going to elevate your, your ideas or, you know, you know, mm. think of what way I can produce a really good photograph for this person that's coming. Yeah, out exactly. Door, you know, you know, it's, it's always like, and it gives me like the conversations that I have, like the people that I meet and the things that I do, like, you know, I paddled out into the sea with friends, with even people that I've never met before and had some of the most intelligent conversations I've ever had in my life. Mm. Before lockdown, the day before, uh, Danny O'Brien, the comedian, asked me if I wanted to climb Lug Naquilla. Massive mistake. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, oh, it's, un- it's a six-hour round trip. And it was with him and a friend of his um, that he has dubbed Trendy as his nickname. Um and Alan is a really, really intelligent guy. He is working on software at the moment that will reward gamers for positive interactions. So look, there's a lot of trolling out there. But mm. for standing up and fighting against the trolls, they would get rewards. And we walked, Lug Naquilla, we walked all the way to the top and all the way back down. And the conversations we had around sociology and around you know how people interact with each other and you know all of that sort of stuff, that arms me before I walk into the studio because I don't know who I'm going to have in the studio. People come in and they have all sorts of issues. And, you know, I get to have, I'm already armed with information based on conversations I've had with people or something that I've heard, you know, because of the fact that I've had these conversations with people Mm. on my day off where I'm not thinking about it. I'm not trying to force myself to to learn, Mm. you know, with, with those conversations, they just happen organically. And, you know, that makes what happens in the studio even more magical because people mm. are laughing on how do you know that yeah right mm. you, you know they're getting the shock of the fact that they just think some of them just think they're coming in for headshots and then all of a sudden that they're having a conversation that can be hugely deep and hugely intelligent and they're like i wasn't expecting this this is weird mm. it's cool but it's weird yeah um, and i think that makes more of an experience for them and it makes it definitely worth, worthwhile and i'm not taking 200 photographs in half an hour and then telling them to look at the screen and pick them yeah up. makes sense i i was gonna uh have to say like you know i i've admired looking at some of the photographs you've done lately and um and it and when i went and got my foot it was i had done some work with another photographer so um she wanted to you know uh be kind and give me a nice headshot and i went oh go on we'll give this a go and i tell you john it is not the easiest to get in front of the camera and then you kind of go oh what way and what angle am i going to portray you know um especially maybe if you're starting out you're not say too comfortable with what you do you might have you know imposter syndrome and um yeah. And how, how do you get over that in front of the camera? How do, how do you guide people to sort of get over that? See, the standing in front of the camera, so we have a gap between how we see ourselves and what we think the rest of the world sees. And we have yeah. a gap between who we believe we are as opposed to who we believe the rest of the world expects us to be. Now, that's compounded a lot by things like Instagram. And, you know, when we see everything sensationalized on Facebook, you know, again, we're not understanding the difference between technology and real life. Mm-hmm. But 
standing in front of the camera does bring up the same feelings as that imposter syndrome. You know, it, it's the exact same thing. And I get imposter syndrome, like, all the time. Do you? All the time. Yeah. Like, um, Simon Haig asked me to speak on at his book launch. And the person before me was... Kingsley Aikens and the fella after me was Marshall Goldsmith and I'm and they're talking about deal making and I'm sitting in Trinity College looking at the pair of these lads oh talking God. about this <laughs> thinking what am I doing here I have oh, prices yeah. on my website and people just pay them I don't negotiate like um, yeah. the way to overcome imposter syndrome is to actually sit back and look and say hold on people see value in the things that I do and the things that I say so they're asking me to do these things mm-hmm. If they see value in me, I need to start seeing value in me too. You know, they're not asking me because they've nobody else. Hmm. They're asking me to do these things. I've been asked to talk at the networking summit. I've been asked, you know, I've been contacted about the mental health and well-being summit. And I looked at the speakers list and I this is only yesterday, you know, and I looked at the speakers list and they're all doctors. They're all like psychologists and psychotherapists and I'm a photographer who mixes weird sciences in with what I do. Like, you know, but Somebody sees value in the fact that I do this. Hmm. Somebody's watching my LinkedIn videos. You know, the Dial Global thing came because Layla's been watching my videos on LinkedIn for two years and really likes the way, you know, it, it aligns with everything they believe in. Hmm. So if they see value in what I do, well then, you know, why shouldn't I see value in what I do? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that that's, me. that's why we had to have you on today because we actually do watch your LinkedIn videos and, um, and I have to say every time I see one go, oh, I'm going to stop, I'm going to, I'm going to catch this. You know what I mean? Because it's you like, is it Tuesday thoughts or something you put out? Is it, it is Tuesdays, isn't it? I, I tried to put names on them. It was like Wednesday wisdom and I don't know, Friday challenges and stuff, but it's not, <laughs> it's whatever madness comes into my head. You know, I could be driving into work in the morning and I get this weird idea and you know, when I get into the studio, it's people think that I'm setting up massive camera gear. It's all rigs up. It's my big. It's not. I stick my phone onto the top of a tripod, and there's no big production value. In it. And I turn one of my lights around, and I put one of my lights on me, and I stand there and I talk to the camera really quickly before the idea vanishes out of my head, because mm. the hamster doesn't stay on the wheel for very long. Um, I'm like a meerkat, you know. This the head goes. <laughs> 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 Actually, I'm wondering. I'm wondering is Philip uh, of a similar vein because him and his jokes. You know what I mean? Is he just kind of thinking, "Hmm, that's a great one. I'll keep that now for the next week." <laughs> yeah, that's me. I kind of if it makes me laugh, I kind of go, "Yeah, I like it." <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere will laugh. Another person on the planet will laugh. You know, so you have a chance. Uh, you have a the chance. thing with the imposter syndrome is just to to say somebody sees value in this. Somebody sees value in me, and somebody sees mm. value in what I'm. And when you stand in front of the camera, look, the only thing that's making you feel that is making you feel uncomfortable is just nerves. And that's all it is. It's just hormone release. And when you stand in front of the camera, you make yourself bigger and just do it. And the more you do it, the more you stand in front of the camera, the more you talk to the camera, the more you do whatever it is, Mm. the more desensitized to those nerves you become. And you just get on with it. You know, it doesn't become a big thing anymore. Look, I throw myself off waterfalls, whitewater kayak. And the first time I did that, I tell you now that it was terrifying. Hmm. You know, and it was only like a small little sluice gate in the Liffey. It wasn't a big thing, but it was terrifying. And now, you know, I'm more comfortable. I go out into the sea, you know, be up in three and four and five foot waves. It's fine. You know, you learn to cope with those nerves and you learn to move beyond them. And that's any challenge. That's hmm. just, it doesn't really matter what it is. So like imposter syndrome is just one of those other challenges we have. And we get it in waves 
to do with different things. You know, it, it can be to do with anything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be just having your photograph taken. So just get over yourself. You share 12% of yeah. DNA. Get over yourself. Hashtag get over, get over yourself. <laughs> um, I can't believe we're, we're starting to kind of, we're, we're getting through the questions. We're starting to kind of come down to the last five minutes, John. So we'll, uh, we'll throw the last few questions at you. Um, you had something very interesting that you do called self-image coaching. Um, love to explain kind of what that is and, you know, how, how can that help a business or an individual, you know, uh, with their business, with their self, you know, portraying this on social media, et cetera? Um, one of the big things with it is it's this psychotology thing. So it's mixing the behavioral sciences and, and photography. And I'm doing that to teach them what they actually look like. Mm. So you've been lying to yourself for years saying that you're not pretty enough. You're not good looking enough. You're not cool enough. You're not whatever. And then all of a sudden you're showing evidence to say you've been lying to yourself for all of these years because the evidence is wrong. The evidence that you've been looking at is wrong. Um, so we're showing them evidence, actual factual evidence of their image coming up on the screen as we take the photographs and saying, see, when you're mm-hmm. bigger and you're, you're kind of better posture and you're more confident, this is what you look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that goes into different parts of your life then because like it, it's, it's obviously part of a bigger thing. When I go into LinkedIn and I do this, like I do talks and then I bring them all up and I shoot them all one by one and you're showing them that you know, you are bigger and better and cooler. And like you do, you are on par with everybody. Mm-hmm. The the Kardashians or, you know, any of these models and stuff like that you see in magazines, you know, you are just as cool. You are just as pretty. You are just as successful as everybody else. So it's about looking at themselves internally and looking at what makes them superheroes. You know, it's, it's all the cool things that they do day in, day out that make them amazing, that mm. discredit or discount because vision as an entity is external. We look at the external world. We look at other people. We don't look at ourselves. Yeah. And when you realize that all of the bits and pieces that you do that make up you, then it starts to kind of make people go, actually, hold on. You know, it's that imposter syndrome thing again. It's it's looking at the things that people see value in and going, hold on. Mm. I didn't know he was cool. Where mm. did that come from? You know, yeah. um, that's what it is essentially like i told you that that lady came into the studio and said i can't look at myself in the mirror you know, normally people come into the studio and say i hope you're going to photoshop you know or, oh you know, <laughs> soft focus not photogenic you know or i hate my nose i hate my ears yeah she came in and said i can't look at myself in the mirror and when i walk into the toilets in a pub if there's other girls in there i won't go in because mm-hmm. i feel like they're looking at me so we worked with her and she was in the studio for like 90 minutes and she left with her husband and that's what I was saying they were going to Farrier and Draper and she came back into the studio and gave me a hug and said, the first thing I do when I go down to Farrier and Draper is I'm going into the toilets to look at myself in the mirror. Mm. Needless to tell you, there was, my eyes are sweating. You know, I was, uh, I was in an awful state when she left, you know, and it was, that was a big thing. And that's like, I have a blog post on my website. I make people cry for a living and I love it because whether it's stress beforehand or it's moments like that where they realize that they are prettier than they thought they were. Mm. They are better looking than they thought they were and mm. they're accepting of their own self-image. Well, then that's important. You know, that's huge. And that's yeah. what I do. And that's what I do for a living with kids with cancer, with craniofacial prosthesis patients, with actors, with mm. with everybody. It doesn't really matter who it is. Everybody has the right to like themselves. I mean, it's to say, like, I know a lot of people, you know, it's amazing that you work with so many different types of people and you know we all have our own challenges and 
because we are all maybe concerned, you know, first impressions and all that kind of thing. And I know that you do, as I say, your main focus is headshots, you know, and most people will get them for LinkedIn. Um, I'm sure everyone wants to know, you know, it's not just the headshot, but how to grow your following. Um, like, you know, you're, you would probably have 60, 80,000 views at times on your videos, John, because they're so engaging. Um, you know, what, what would you say to people, you know, when it comes to trying to grow their following? You know, is it down to just doing video or is it, what do you find, you know? You guys will definitely agree. It's been consistent, you know, and it's been authentic. Yeah. And that's what people want to see. Mm-hmm. If you were coming online and you're pretending to be something else, you're not, then, you know, people are going to see through it and it's just going to be disingenuous. And we're going to have another bloggers unveiled thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. people are going to be calling you out for Photoshopping your images or whatever. It doesn't really matter what you're putting out there. As long as you're putting your message out there and you wholeheartedly believe in what you're talking about, mm-hmm. well, then people are going to engage with that because people are going to, like, it's passion. You know, if people have passion for anything, it doesn't really matter what they're talking about. We talk about tomatoes and mm. if they're passionate about it, you're going to get involved because there's something in it. It's the Pied Piper thing. You know, so like my LinkedIn videos, I started doing them really nervously sitting here, um, you know, in the little home office. And because nobody was looking at me, nobody could hear me do the videos. And I shot them once or twice. And I made my mistakes and I thought, you know what? I'm leaving the mistakes in because mm. I just make a comment. I just laugh and say, well, John doesn't make mistakes when he shoots videos. And I leave it in because, mm. you know, if somebody else is watching that and they go, oh, I'm after shooting a video today and, you know, it took me 40 attempts to do it. And now I'm not going to post it because I don't think it's good enough because I made mistakes in it. Mm. Mm. Well, then, like, maybe they'll post that video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's being consistent and it's making sure that you just talk about whatever it is that interests you because if there's passion behind it, then people will follow it. Mm. Like I do, we get kind of, I don't know what way the analytics are working and it seems to bounce all over the place during COVID, but it's like some of my videos are getting 60 and 80 and 90,000 views um, depending on what the content is. And I'm just saying these things to get them out of my head because somebody else is thinking it somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it validates them. And it's whatever. I just like to post videos because, you know, it, it does, I don't know, it's some sort of a mental release. Mm. Either that, I'm going to be bouncing around like Tigger in the studio. <laughs> <and> people are <laughs> not prepared for that when they walk in. I am. Um, well, yeah, as so Philip, I was going to say, because I am not a fan of getting in front of the camera, and Philip will tell you that too. Um, I just wanted to ask you one last thing. How do you get your mental angle to say, right, I'm in space, I'm going to do it. Um, what is your top tip? Just do it. That's literally, it's just go for it. Because if you delay yourself, um, Mel Robbins talks about the five second rule. You know, it's like she counts down from five to zero, you know, because that's her thing because she says five, four, three, two, one, and do it because in that space, if you don't do it, well, then you're giving yourself after that time, the reasons why you're not going to do it. The only reason you're not doing it is because you feel uncomfortable and you feel uncomfortable because you're going to go, Oh Jesus, I'm going to see myself. And what if I make a mistake? And what if I stutter? And what if I do this? Don't just do the video. That's like, I was locked into this room doing videos because my first few videos the light was terrible you know everything was terrible in the videos but I was still posting them because the stuff was going on in my head and I was getting what 10, 15 maybe 100 views on videos I didn't really care because I'm not counting the views it's nice to know that a lot of people have seen the video and to see all the comments flooding in Mm. and 
people saying, oh, you know, I really liked that video. You're getting the direct messages on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And people saying that really, I really connected with that. Thanks very much. Yeah. You know, that stuff is nice and it validates it. And it means that I'm going to keep doing the videos. And that happens because, you know, I've overcome that anxiety of just getting on camera and just shouting and roaring down the camera and talking about whatever weirdness is going on in my head. Like mm -hmm. Some of it has been inspired by like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, that was one of my posts was like something that was said in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I was like, that's really cool. So I put it in a note on my phone. And when I went into the studio the next day, I spoke about it. Like, I said, you know, it, it's about, it was about um, Philip opening doors for Will. Phil, Will feeling like he needed to make a name for himself and he needed to do things for himself because he's a man. Mm. And Philip said, look, you know, I don't mind opening doors for you because doors are open for me. I work really hard to keep those doors open. And, you know, I want you to walk through them. So that's one of my weird videos. And it's not going to change people's lives, but maybe somebody will actually, do you know what? That's it resonates. Yeah. yeah, it resonates. It's yeah. something yeah. that I kind of believe in or like it might, you know, create some sort of a synaptic connection for somebody and they go, actually, hold on. That's what that is. That makes and sense. Yeah. Yeah. So just be genuine and just go for it. We're going to see loads of videos now, Emer. Yeah. <laughs> Five, four, three, loads. two, one. Emer <laughs> Duffy. John, this has been such an interesting chat. Uh, yeah. It's been really yeah. cool. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. I think you've left myself and Emer and our listeners with so much food for thought. Um, before we kind of start to wrap up, where would you like to send people to if they want to connect with you and learn more about you? A pub would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, virtual pub, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm on LinkedIn, John Murray Headshots. I'm everywhere is John Murray Headshots, except Twitter because that was my JM photo dub. Um, all my links are on my website, johnmurrayheadshots.com. So you can great. click on the social links there. My blog posts are there. Some of my videos are there. Um, I'm not great for transferring them from LinkedIn straight across. I should be, but I'm a superstar. I don't have time to do that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know. Can't do it all. Get your VA. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, great to have you. Uh, we'll definitely, you know, I'd say down the line, we've said it to uh, a number of guests. We'll probably, there's more we can talk to you about. This yeah, definitely. Psychology kind of piece, which mm. is very interesting. So I'd say, you know, a future show down the line, we'll get you back on. Anytime. So John, thank you very much. And I'm Thanks going to get more motivated, as they say. I keep saying that. Loads of videos. Just do one video and post it. Just about anything. It doesn't matter what it is. You can do it, Emer. Yeah, just post it. one okay. video and just say... Okay, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> do it on overcoming the fear of shooting videos. There's an actual thing for you. There you go. There's an yeah. idea. Okay, I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> write that one down. Okay, I'm terrible well, to shoot videos. I'm shooting a video anyway. This is me. If you're terrified to shoot videos, just go and shoot videos. That's your whole video. Okay. okay. I have it down on paper. It's there. Well, John, listen, thanks so much again for joining us. And all I have to say now is that if you enjoyed today's show, you can catch it again. And the other shows on the Let's Get Social Show podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and on Dublin South FM's website. So do please download and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And until next Friday at 2 p.m., I've been Philip Twyford, for the Curly Marketer Social Media Management and Strategy. And I've been Emer Duffy of Fit Social Media, your social media personal trainer. And we'll see you next time for more Let's Get Social. See you then. See you then.